Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, September twelfth episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have featured over 130 poets from 15 countries on five continents, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can support us. By going to poetsandmuses.com/forward/slash/donate and donate either via PayPal or you prefer credit cards. With us today is Nimatola Ahangosh, with whom I will be discussing his poem "Davis with Vision" and my poem "Stunning Vision." Before we do that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of September 13th. On Monday, September thirteenth, from seven thirty to eight thirty p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Writers Center will be hosting their Cafe Muse, featuring Andrea Carter Brown and Catherine Gecker. You can find out more information at writer.org/forward/slash/reading-events. Again, that's at writer.org/forward/slash/reading-events. From eight to ten thirty p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Alexa Lash and Kiana Major will be hosting their creatively undistanced open mic. You can find out more information at Major Muse on Instagram. Again, that's at Major Muse on Instagram. On Tuesday, September fourteenth, from three to five p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic for those between the ages of thirteen and twenty-three. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information at urbanwordnyc.org/forward/slash/firstdraft. Again, that's at urbanwordnyc.org/forward/slash/firstdraft. On Wednesday, September fifteenth, from six p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Inspiration Factory writing workshop by Janice. You can find out more information at wordupamsterdam.com. Again, that's at wordupamsterdam.com. From 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts will be hosting their poetry workshop with Luiva Resto. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org/free_workshops.html. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org. Forward/slash/free_workshops.html. On Thursday, September 16th, from 4 to 5:30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Queens Orchard Library will be hosting their Teens Write Poetry for those from 13 and up. You can find out more information at mcpl.libnet.info/forward/slash/events. Again, that's at mc. P L dot libnet dot info forward slash events. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting their Nuijinan Scott Talent with CJ Gritz, which showcases Indigenous youths between 13 and 25 via Instagram Live. You can RSVP at Nuijinan TV. Again, that's at Nuijinan TV. That's N W E. J I N A N T V. Again, that's at N W E J I N A N T V. From 8 to 10 p.m. Central Daylight Time, the South Dakota State Poetry Society will be hosting their Electric Poetry Garden. You can find out more information at artssouthdakota.org/event. Again, that's at artssouthdakota.org/event. From 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Poetry Center San Jose and the Willow Glen Library will be hosting their third Thursday's open mic, featuring Jeannie UC, hosted by poet Lisa Metley. You can find out more information at sjpl.bibliocommons.com/events. Again, that's at sjpl.bibliocommons.com/events. 
from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, District 4 Poetry will be hosting their monthly open mic night. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Again, that's at facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, September 17th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. You can find out more information by messaging the host, Andrina Leanne, via Instagram at survivor.andrina.leanne. Andrina is spelled A-N-D-R-E-E-N-A. Leanne is spelled L-E-E-A-N-N-E. From 7 p.m. West Africa time, Graciano and Worm and Nopal Flower will be hosting their Corona Verses via Instagram Live at Graciano and Worm. That's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. Again, that's at G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. From 5 to 7 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Lighthouse Writers Workshop will be hosting their Writing in Color with Manuel Aragon. You can find out more information at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. Again, that's at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. From 7.20 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Hudson Valley Writers Center will be hosting their open mic nights hosted by Bill Bushel. You can find out more information at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. On Saturday, September 18th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. India Standard Time, our past poet guest Umesh Mohikar will be hosting his weekly Let's Unmesh Life open mic. You can find out more information at Let's Unmesh Life on Instagram and Facebook. Again, that's at Let's Unmesh Life on Instagram and Facebook. From 1 to 3 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Lighthouse Writers Workshop will be hosting their Speaking the Unspeakable, Writing Yourself into Poems with Diana Whitney. You can find out more information at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. From 2 to 3.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Lighthouse Writers Workshop will be hosting their Writing in Color for Teens with Akeem Furious. You can find out more information at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. Again, that's at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. From 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Lighthouse Writers Workshop will be hosting their poetry collective reading. You can find out more again at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. On Sunday, September 19th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Lighthouse Writers Workshop will be hosting their Writing for Happiness and Stress Relief for those between the ages of 12 and 14 with Allison Preston. You can find out more information at lighthousewriters.org forward slash workshops. From 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Keep the Mic On will be hosting their weekly poetry event. You can find out more information at keepthemicon.com. Again, that's at keepthemicon.com. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week. Nimantula Ahangosh. Hi, Nimantula. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Mojin. Thank you for inviting. It's an honor to be here today. I'm very glad to be with you. Me too. I really appreciate your time. Um, so you brought with you your poem, Davis with Vision. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from Afghanistan, and uh, right now I'm staying in India, uh, studying uh, social entrepreneurship course, and this course will finish in December, and uh, I have graduated college, bachelor's of social work. I am right now part of a course which is helping me to go and start my project back in Afghanistan, and I'm also interested in reading poetry. I'm very fond of writing poetry, mm-hmm. both English and Persian. And also, I'm, I'm interested in, in fiction, uh, in stories, novels, mainly. Novels, you said, mainly. 
Yeah. Okay. I was wondering when you began getting interested in poetry. Well, I was actually young, maybe around 14, that I started reading poetry. Later, I started to actually write it. First, I started in, in Persian, but a few months later, I started in English. So, for me, it happened simultaneously. Okay. What made you decide to uh, write in both languages? When I wrote in Persian, I was also learning English. And uh, there was a student of mine in a refugee camp in Kabul. Mm-hmm. And then she herself was very interested in poetry. One day I thought maybe I could write a poem about her. Mm-hmm. And that was the time when I wrote in English because she was also interested in English poetry. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started writing in Persian and in English. Okay. Do you write now more in Persian or more in English or about the same? Right now it's more in English. I kind of stopped Persian poetry for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. but I do write English often. Okay. So the first poem you wrote about was about your student, right? Yeah, yeah. Her name is Miriam. When she went to school, she saw that her school was bombed. And when she came back to me the other day, because she used to go to school and to my class in the refugee camp, mm-hmm. to both, mm-hmm. she was saddened. Mm-hmm. I was trying to console her. And some weeks later, I gave her the poem that I wrote, and she really liked it. She also started writing in English. Oh. But very basically. Okay, so Miriam, she was already in the refugee camp in Kabul, and then she found that the school that she was going to was bombed. Is that correct? Yes, she used to go to a school and uh, like in a public school, mm-hmm. and uh, my class as well, where I was teaching uh, through an NGO. Through an NGO. Okay. Okay. Well, that was really nice of you to write a poem to comfort her. It helped her, it sounds like. What were you teaching, by the way? I was teaching Persian, uh, mathematics, and English. Okay. What made you leave to go to India? I was very interested to get a scholarship. And uh, through this NGO that I used to teach in, in the refugee camp, I got a scholarship. I terminated my work. In June 2018, and uh, the same month, I came to India for my higher study. Okay. Which region in India are you in now? Uh, right now, I'm in Kerala, a south part of India. Right. They're close to the ocean, right? Yes, yes. We are close to the Arabian Indian Ocean. Okay, cool. So you have continued since then to write poetry in both languages, uh, but more in English, he said. Since you started writing poetry, have you taken any poetry courses? No, I never took any poetry courses. It's like personal interest. I even didn't know that in English you have a river poetry. <laughs> yes. Later I realized that, yeah, it is river there too. Uh, yeah. But in, in fact, we call it, like if you translate it to English, it, it means a white poetry, which, which means you can just write without any rhyming and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still, you can use some of rhyming in between. So mm-hmm. that's really, I mean, interesting for me because the first poem I wrote, I even didn't have a clue what, what type of poetry in English it is. <laughs> uh, but slowly, slowly I learned it. And th- that was really interesting because mm-hmm. suddenly I realized that this could be a poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a good poetry, not just my thoughts something. Okay. Right, yeah. right. You said in Persian, if it translates into English, it means white poetry. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So white, like, like blank, right? White, like uh, whatever you want to put in there, it has to make sense. 
but it doesn't have to have any rhyme. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think it's similar to the uh, idea of blank. There's no limits or anything, right? Limit in terms of the length, it is there. But in terms of rhyming, it, you could still use any rhyming, but it's not necessary to use. Mm. Yeah, there are certain limitations and there are certain freedoms that you could do. Right, right. Are you reading other poets? Well, in English, I only read Vijay Seshagri. He is an Indian poet. And uh, in Persian, I'm reading Rumi. Mm. Rumi, who is from Afghanistan, and in an Iranian poet like Sadi, Hafiz, and this. this I'm, I've been reading. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't hear the Indian poet's name. It is called Vijay Seshadri. Thank you. So now I think it's a good time for you to read your poem for us. Sure. David with vision. Skinny like me, he walked like Bob Marley. Right up to me, his tuneful accent of India mine of Afghanistan, to say my wallet was hanging from my back pocket. I was agitated. He reminded me of someone who, with his worn jeans and t-shirt, short hair and tattoo of an electrocardiogram on his neck. Thank you, I said. Introductions exchanged. As our friendship began, conversations around campus how like-minded we were. He was gifted at description, sound waves flowing from his mouth while he talked. From the Himalayas to the Amazon rainforest, Davis connected saints and shamans. I linked Balkh to Tabriz, the dervishes with disciples. Sometimes psychedelic music freed our minds Bob Marley singing in the background. Have no fear for atomic energy because none of them can stop the time. These wordless talks hiding in the smoke we shared. Our psychedelic trips bringing light from former generations' spirits. In hallucination, figures of our ancestors appeared. Grateful for our friendship. We who appreciated our existence, our indigo auras coupling us with the old souls, meditate, be high or sober. Our visions and spirits enjoyed telepathic encounters of cathartic experience. We let go of the rest, no scar or trauma left. Thank you. This idea of hanging out and friendship is throughout the poem. I was wondering if you can tell us if Davis is a real person. Sure. Well, Davis is a friend of mine. I met him in India the first, the first time I came to India. And he is still a dear friend to me. Mm -hmm. And he's also trying to write poetry, um, but he didn't publish any because he doesn't want to mm. so far. Okay. And this poem, I wrote it when we both were starting friendship and we really enjoyed talking to each other about some of the, the shared history that Afghanistan and India have. And some of the, uh, like even there are a lot of Persian speaking poets from India. Mm. We uh, try to connect with uh, former poets and Sufis and shamans and all these people, all these things. So that was actually when this poem has come out. Okay. I hear a lot of spirituality throughout this poem the conversations that you've had, and also the idea of our indigo auras coupling us with the old souls. 
and the idea of meditation. And I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, the meditation part, uh, he was um, actually a good meditation person, and I didn't have an idea about what meditation is. Mm. And he, he even taught me that, how to meditate, and even, you know, the breathing part, and like how to sit, and how to focus, and how to breathe, and all. Mm. For me, his meditation actually was a an inspiration that I, I learned from him. Hmm. Although I, I don't, I'm not a um, meditation person, but still, it does help. And uh, like whenever we wanted to talk about our ancestors or about the, let's say, all spiritual talk, he always was there. It doesn't matter if uh, if he was, you know, meditating or being high or sober. It's all that matter for both of us was our talk and our exchange of, let's say, wisdom or, or knowledge, mm. more from his, his side, actually. Mm. So, what really differentiates David from others, in my opinion, is that he's having this special great characteristic that is kind of magnetic to many people. Mm. And this is also not only with people around him, but people for the first time when they meet him, especially with me, it was more about our history and about the good days that the two nations had at that time and about all these spiritual people like, uh, let's say, the poets from India and Afghanistan and even the exchange of words of them from from Hindi to Persian and some of them from Persian to Hindi. So all these things made our conversation and our friendship very interesting for both of us, at least for me more interesting. Mm. Have you shown him the poem? Yes, yes, actually he himself was the first person to read this poem when it was published. Oh, great. Yeah. What was his reaction to the poem? Well, his reaction first was that he thought that I kind of exaggerated in, in this poem. And uh, when I reminded him all of them, he was, yeah, actually we did all this. Basically, he couldn't lift his eyes to read the poetry about himself. Because he said that I'm the person, the first person who really wrote a poem about him and really appreciates his essence and his existence. Mm. and brotherhood and that was really uh, for me also interesting because he was trying to be very polite and trying to be you know very real mm-hmm. in the meantime he really is a person his own poetry is about him and his uh, vision vision during our trip and special conversation okay i really love this you know, all of these experiences that you shared together. And you have said that, if I understood correctly, that you have written this poem at the beginning of your friendship. Is that correct? Actually, not in the beginning, but I kept thinking that I should write a poem about our friendship. And the first half, let's say, after two months, uh, more than two months, actually, I wrote about each other that time. Okay. Are you still friends? Yes. Yes, actually. Still we are friends. Although we now live in different cities in India. Both of us in South India. But we are in touch and hopefully I'll I'll go meet him in a couple of weeks. Oh, great. What separated you? He started another course for his master's degree. Okay. And I started another uh, one-year diploma course in another city. Mm. That's how we we are kind of in different cities now. Right, right. You have said previously that you're studying social entrepreneurship. I was wondering what your plans were after you finished the program. Well, uh, my plan after finishing this course is to start an NGO, social venture, 
for people with disability like myself. Mm. I know it's not related to poetry, but poetry is something that I cannot compare to a profession or mm. uh, it's a, a degree or a course. It's something that comes automatically and naturally out of my mind. Mm. And after this course, I'm going to start a video for empowering the disabled in Afghanistan since we have been able to also the bomb blast and all they cause a lot of people to lose their limbs. Yeah, I, I've seen some news about that. Is it still very difficult to get prosthetic limbs? Uh, actually, it is not about getting a prosthetic uh, leg or, or assistive devices. My project will start focusing more on empowering them through uh, entrepreneurship, leadership courses like communication mm-hmm. and swimming and all, so that everybody could participate. Or let's say showdown. Showdown is another type of table tennis for the blind. Or mm-hmm. let's say other sports that I'm going to do is animal riding, like uh, people who have difficulty to find their way, mm-hmm. and they able should be uh, able to find their way when there is a chaos, like let's say when there is a, an armed conflict, they should be able to find their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since you enjoy poetry so much, do you plan to utilize poetry in some of the work in your project? Yes, yes, actually I forgot to mention that part. We are going to, in a wartime country, it is important to go virtually through poetry and literature. So we are going to start also a, a kind of class, not a class, let's say a training, mm-hmm. uh, because I, this concept of class is not that important. I think more, I, it would be more awakening kind of training that can, you know, because inside us, I believe there is, uh, inside of us, we have little poets. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to utilize poetry there too, so that they could write their own poetry. They disabled, uh, and uh, why not they publish their poetry, or why not they could express themselves through poetry. Right. So yeah. We are going to use poetry too, and other literature like creative writing, and and uh, as other communication skills too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that a lot of people uh, I interview tell me that they find poetry as, uh, or, or just writing in general, as a very therapeutic process. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Mm. In my case, that's very true, but uh, but it could be very uh, helpful and, and therapeutic for other disabled, not that because they are disabled, but because of the situation in the country. Right, right. Given what is happening in, in Afghanistan right now, do you continue to plan to return after December, after you finish the course? Well, my initial plan is, yes, I have to return because I have decided all this just to go and serve my country, especially in the area of social work, is less development so far, so I'm going to help my people. Mm-hmm. But I have to have a plan B too, because mm-hmm. if I return back, poetry, especially in English, for the terrorist groups in Afghanistan is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Poets, I mean the people who write in English. And also the working background that I had with a foreign angel, so that could be dangerous for me, a potential danger uh, to return. But if a new government turns to be a good government, I plan to return. Otherwise, I have to take refuge in a third country. Right. Could you stay in India? I could stay in India too, but I'm planning to go to a country where I can immediately start my project and where I can publish poetry. I mean, trying to publish poetry mm-hmm. uh, in English. That's the, the goal, actually. 
in India there are there are all possibilities for me, but I plan to explore more to see which option was the best. Yeah. Probably Europe, mm. uh, European countries perhaps. Right. right. not. You said you you plan to start your project anyway, right? Either in Afghanistan or outside. How do you plan to do that if you cannot return? So if I can't return, the first thought is to start in India mm-hmm. and through maybe partnering with some NGOs and starting like registering as an NGO. Mm-hmm. here in India, or for disabled refugees, or mm-hmm. let's say Turkey or other countries. Mm-hmm. I have to still plan, uh, I am planning on it, I, I am planning how I'm going to do it. I have to first get a refugee status and then I have to register according mm-hmm. to the law of, of the country where I will stay for work, um, I have to follow their laws. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. I hope everything will work out for you and that you can start your project. Yeah, but my focus should, uh, I mean, is also uh, on poetry. I mean, I want to publish more. I want to express some of the things that is happening in Afghanistan and some of the things that, I mean, a lot of things are happening everywhere these days. Generally, I have to... I mean, there are many things that I need to still express in, in poetry. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very, very important to to be able to do that and, and you know, offer offer your perspective. You have a blog, though, right? Yeah. So is that primarily where you're publishing right now? No. Right now, I stopped publishing for a while because I was planning to include the poems that I am, I am currently writing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to include them in a manuscript. Mm-hmm. And I have also sent to some publishers in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them replied. Actually, one of them replied, said that it was not what they have been looking for. But I kept trying. And uh, I sent to a couple of other publishers. I didn't get any reply yet. It's mm-hmm. been like five months. I'm hoping to get a reply within six months. Yeah, I hope you hear good news from these publishers. Are you sending them to uh, multiple publishers at the same time? Yes, I mentioned in my travel letters that I have submitted this to other publishers too, in case if they accept, I will let them know so that they don't have to, you know, republish or go through some trouble. Right, right. Have you included this poem, uh, Davis with Vision, in your manuscript? Yes, yes, I did include this. Great. A couple of others that I've published already. Great, great. That's wonderful. Are you sending both Persian and English poems, or just English ones? Right now, just English ones. Okay. okay. Yeah. Are, are there places where you could send Persian poems as well? There are some publishers in, in Iran. And Tajikistan, mm. there were some publishers in Afghanistan too before government was taken over. But uh, my focus right now is, for at least for a few years, my focus is on English. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Again, I, I wish you the best. And hopefully when people listen to the podcast, if they have any suggestions, they can reach out to you. You have mentioned that you wrote this poem basically about six months, you said, after you met Davis. How long ago did you write this poem? So uh, it's been one year ago. Like one year ago, I published this poem. Actually, I, I completed and then published almost one year ago. Okay. Like, I, yeah, so I didn't write this poem, uh, for example, let's say over a night or, or something. Mm-hmm. Not that because it, it is not difficult, it's very easy, but to capture the moment to write what's important. So I took my time and very, you know, calmly I wrote the poem and completed it. Then I came to this online platform and then they captured it. Okay. 
I really like the spirituality of it, um, also a little bit of uh, otherworldliness of this friendship because it, it was like lightning striking kind of feeling. And that's why I picked my poem, Stunning Vision. Well, your, your poem reminded me of that poem because of the suddenness and the feeling of connection that your poem shows. So I'm going to read my poem and then we can talk about it and also how it relates to your poem. Great. That would be great. I also like this poem, Canning Vision. Thank you. She came to me while I was waking, crossing the worlds between dream and reality. Her calm contrasted her sense of fashion, though the words that followed made her statement clear. She operated under quiet determination, though her message was lost in an explosive resolution. She's firmly etched in my mind's vision. Her brief story still elicits my heart's attention from that sense of loss that arises when one so stunning rushes across like an anomaly bursting onto sensors your life stage without stopping, though she arrested my morning routine. Great. Thank you. Uh, I actually also found this connection with vision. Mm -hmm. uh, what I like about your poem is that, although it, to me it sounded like, um, uh, you also mentioned previously that this is not a real character, right? Yeah. So, it's not, uh, yeah. she's actually the subject of a poem I wrote, and this is the follow-up poem. Okay, and I really found the connection because this vision is clear, what's going on in, inside your mind, and like every morning that you, that reminds you of, that this person reminds you of the vision. I think this is quite uh, linkable with David with vision. Yeah, it's so, uh, the feeling of, you know, again, it's a sudden, right, seeing something that not everybody else sees. Yeah, and especially this part, I really like it. Her brief story still elicits my attention. I really like this part. Thank you. Uh, could you tell me a bit, like, how did it occur to you to write this book? Yeah, sure. This character is actually, as I said before, the subject of another poem that I wrote about. And she is based on someone that I've seen in real life, but I don't, just, just a stranger that I saw when I was taking public transportation. I was kind of stunned by how colorful her niqab was and it was really arresting because it was like bright red. I think that was, it was after 9-11, it wasn't immediately after, but some years, a number of years after. More recently, I've been reading the news, I've been following the news and you know, as you mentioned earlier about how explosions and the conflict in Afghanistan and also, unfortunately, Afghanistan also became victim to some terrorist activities. I think one of the things that Americans are not as aware of, we're very aware of 9-11. We're very aware of what happened then, and it's very, it's nationally very traumatizing. And it, it has the right to be, right, because this is something that's never really happened to us previously. At the same time, we're so focused on that, that we've forgotten, or we're not paying attention to the fact that most of the victims of terrorist activities uh, are actually people in the Muslim world. And after 
there's this unfortunate link or unfortunate stereotype of linking Muslims with terrorists, which is not only unfortunate, but also incorrect. I have wanted to write something about that to just raise awareness of that. And so she is the character that was in the first poem. And she kind of came to me, the poem kind of came to me, even though I've been aware of this for some time. I didn't write about it until I forget when. This is an older poem of my, um, it's at least, I think, two years old. I, I just remember being really affected by this idea and this character, and she remained with me even after I had written the first poem. So I decided to write the second poem, which is this poem that I'm reading with you. What you said is true, because uh, the Muslim world has become the victim of terrorism. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are labeled to terrorism, people saying that whoever is, let's say, from Afghanistan, from Iran, they are all terrorists, or from Iraq, Syria. But that's not true. Uh, and, uh, yeah, some new news are true, some of them are uh, partially true. But, yeah, there are some news that are tailored according to uh, the audience, what the audience wants to hear or what they want the other to hear. But overall, I really like uh, this poetry. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, this part? Though uh, the words that followed made her statement clear, she operated under quiet determination. She operated under quiet determination, yes. So I think it's a little bit obscure if you don't read the other poem because this is describing some of the actions of this character in the other poem. This character was actually an activist. Like she's very socially aware and she was also using social media to make her statements clear. So she was posting on social media. So the the, the previous poem is about her just sitting in something like a mall, you know, a shopping center, and typing on social media and posting to her account. And then, unfortunately, a terrorist attack happened, and she was lost to that attack. Uh, and so, you know, she was very quiet because she was typing on her cell phone. And so that's what these two lines meant. Interesting. Yeah, and to pick up what, from what you were saying previously, I think it's very true uh, what you said. The fact is every society have bad characters, right? There, there are thieves in every society. There are murderers in every society. Unfortunately, <clears throat> People who don't think about that usually link, especially when there are so many terrorist activities happening throughout the world, people always just link their background to everyone in that background, which is both unfortunate and I, I think also puts a terrible burden on the people who share that cultural background. And it's very unfair. True, that's true. And then because of that, sometimes governments, like the U.S. government, for instance, might be doing things, for instance, the invasion of Afghanistan, that can further destabilize the country and make it worse for everyday people living in the country, like yourself or like the people that you are trying to help um, who, you know, either because of the war over the past 20 years or because of terrorist activities have been injured and have become um, disabled or lost their limbs. Yes, actually, 
That's very true. I also wrote another poem about the, a bomb that was uh, dropped on Afghanistan by Trump's administration, mm -hmm. the Trump administration in 2017, and that's called Mother of All Bombs, which is very insulting to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a woman, a mother. Like naming a bomb in, in the name of a mother, I mean, that would be very bad. And to me, it sounds very stupid because how could somebody name a bomb mother of all bombs or father of all bombs or, or, or brother or even sister? So that's true. Unfortunately, Afghanistan and some other countries, they have become a place for other countries with, with big bombs to test their weapons on, on the people and country. So, yeah, and I am also facing as a disabled so many challenges in Afghanistan, especially if there is a war so the disabled cannot run away, mm. especially who cannot walk or those who, can, who are blind, they cannot just run away. So right. the terrorists and the our government, our military and U.S. military, uh, they killed more civilians than, than people with, with guns, than soldiers or terrorists. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm against armed conflicts, precisely because it's very difficult to separate civilians to combatants, especially for a foreign force to go into a country yeah, because we're going into yeah. a culture that's not our own. And so there will always be gray areas where we don't understand each other, right? And yeah. I think the war in Afghanistan for somebody like me in the U.S., I don't, I don't feel like it's made either of our countries a better place. I don't think it has made the world a better place. I think it's made the world a worse place. And I think it just made the situation worse for both countries. There are people who are dead that did not need to die. So. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, the war in Afghanistan doesn't affect just a group of people, but it affects the whole <coughs> human family. It doesn't matter if somebody lives in Russia and somebody lives in, in India and somebody lives in Afghanistan, but the war is, is costing lives. For me, I'm also, I'm really against this uh, military wave that people use and the war. Mm -hmm. To me, what makes them more is uh, talking and uh, negotiating and uh, coming in terms and, and, you know, accepting each other, how hard it is to accept somebody or each other. It's so easy. And I have lost friends and relatives in explosions, in, in like even drone, you know, drone attacks, like mm -hmm. when the US government is flying drones over our country and then Nobody can, can you know, recognize who is the Taliban and who is the, the other people, the mm -hmm. other Afghans, because all wear the same clothes and uh, they they just you know drop a bomb and have expensive a bomb is and it takes it takes thousands of dollars. I mean, it costs thousands of dollars to just drop a bomb. Mm. And if that money could be spent in, in, I mean, on education, on infrastructure, trust me, Afghanistan would have become second Singapore. But didn't what was spent more uh, was spent on on war. I mean, I, if I heard correctly recently, there was a report that saying that more than a trillion dollar was spent on war in Afghanistan. Mm. That is. A very big number of money, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can really, really relate with what you said that it affects everybody, not one person, but 
with everybody. Yeah, definitely. If that money was used on, as you said, education or infrastructure, different things to help people and maybe build some kind of network where our people from our respective countries could have spoken with each other, just have more contact with each other, maybe things would have gotten much better than what it is now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I am really glad that you are planning to do the work that, you know, to, to help those who are either born disabled or born with other um, physical uh, abilities or those who became disabled because of the conflict. Yes, thank you. I think poetry is also very important. As you mentioned earlier, it is important to, to keep writing poetry because this is another way of communicating with others so that somebody could learn from it that how war is bringing a lot of challenges for people and a lot of misery over a nation. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I th definitely think you should keep writing about, you know, what is happening in your country and and I hope people, you, you're being published and so people can read about it and get a better understanding, a better sense of what is going on and also listen to different accounts from all the different people who have come forward to talk about their stories. Maybe if we keep listening to each other and we have conversations, things will get better rather than just, you know, shoot at each other. Yes. Uh, imagine, I had a question about your poetry, actually. Normally, I mean, typically, what type of poem do you, you write? Or are you just writing in English? I write in some other languages, but my primary language is English, so I write mostly in English. Great. And what, what type of poetry mainly uh, do you write? I write mostly free verse as well. Sometimes I write rhyming poetry, but uh, more often than not, if they feel forced, so I tend not to write them. Okay. But like you, I also have internal rhymes, um, you know, rather. Okay, like in, in between somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and alliterations and you know other I use other poetic devices but I don't tend to end rhyme uh, having poems that have end rhymes they're not very popular yeah uh, another question like for me I haven't had a lot of interaction with English poets or people from other countries but writing in English poems mm. uh, English poetry. So, uh, yourself, like, how do you normally write? For example, let's say, do you have to be in certain in, in a certain place or certain time to write a poetry, or you can write poetry anytime? For me, this part is always interesting to hear from poets like yourself. Typically, when is a good time for? Is there even a good time or you can write any time? And does the place matter for you? I think having free time is very essential because lately I've been very, very busy. I've been very distracted, so I haven't been writing as much. But when I have free time, I tend to uh, write wherever, wherever I am. Sometimes I would be taking a bus and I would write something or taking the train. I can be anywhere when I write. I don't, I just use my phone to write. You know, I think different different poets or different people who write poetry will have different practices. 
and I I will write about anything. I especially write a lot of poems in reaction to the news. Sometimes the news yeah. really makes me gives me very strong emotions. So instead of just screaming, which I want to do sometimes, <laughs> I write poems. Great. Yeah, that's great. What is your poetic practice? What makes you write? For me, what really like when something is thought provoking, when something really you know gets me or pinches me, mm. that's the time when I write. And uh, even if I don't have much time, although uh, yeah, time is important. Mm. Um, but yeah, if uh, I have free time and if something provoking thoughts, something that provokes my my thoughts and mind, mm -hmm. so I take a note and then later I I a bit reflect and then write my expression. That's what I think, or how would it happen in a different way? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how, how I write. Yeah. Do you have any particular topics that you focus on, or do you just write about anything? Uh, well, uh, it differs actually. Sometimes I don't have any topic. I just write something and then I choose a, choose a topic from within mm -hmm. the time. Sometimes I choose. So I, I'm comfortable with both, like choosing a topic and not choosing a topic. Okay, okay. Yeah. It sounds like we're very similar then. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So thank you again. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Um, but before I let you go, I would love for you to tell us about where we can find you on social media. And also, I don't know if you attend any virtual poetry gatherings and if you can recommend any. Well, first about poetry gathering, there are some organizations like World Beyond War, if they conduct any online session, that's the time when I sometimes read one or two of my poetry. Mm. Uh, and uh, like not specifically gathering for poetry. Mm. Uh, there are some birthdays from around the world, some of the friends, and then uh, the friends are also poets, some of them, not all of them. So we try to exchange poetry that time. But specifically, I do not uh, know about any online poetry gathering. Mm. They are writing platforms, but not uh, like online meetings. But uh, there is one Afghan voices that where most of the Afghans, uh, the the poets inside and outside the country, they they write. Did you say world beyond words? So, World Beyond War. War? Oh, okay. Worlds Beyond War. Yeah, that's the name of one organization who is anti-military, anti-military. Mm. And uh, then sometimes they organize uh, online meetings or something, and then I I read one or two poetry if, if, if the topic would match one or, one or two of my poems, so I just read. That's great. And, yeah. Uh, about the second, yeah, the second thing, social media, uh, my name on all social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, Facebook is Nematullah uh, Ahandush. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I spell it out? Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. So the first name is Nematula, N E M A T U double L A H space A H A N G O S H Nematula Ahangush. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I have a blog. When I have time, I write poetry or other articles. That is called Ahangush com. A H A N G O S H dot wordpress.com okay okay so you're on wordpress great 
Um, yeah. Well, thank you again for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I really uh, enjoyed it again and, and more clarity on planning vision. Um, <laughs> great. Cool. That's the way you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.